and welcome to another episode of Idea Prov. I'm your host, Mike Pedersen. Um, I have a really unique guest here today that uh, we connected online and had some really great conversations, even a quite a bit of a long one before we get started here. But his name is Chris, and he comes to us and is just unapologetically curious. Um, Chris helps groups solve problems, makes decisions, and learn in a fun and engaging way. He believes organizations have all that they need to solve their own strategy, marketing, innovation, and organizational problems. And his role is to help them discover and implement them through engaging and impactful workshops and events. So Chris, I gave us a little bit about you. What's, you know, how are you? What's life like? Explain to us who you are in your own words. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks for thanks for having me. Um, well, it's funny. So this will be two episodes in a row where you have a collaboration designer on. That is correct. Yeah. So so Taylor um, Cohn was was uh, right before this. Uh, an awesome guy, um, and he was using the term collaboration designer. I haven't used that myself. Um, but he's right. I think that is a good way to put it. I, on my LinkedIn profile, I say I'm, the, I'm a farmer of collaboration, um, which is essentially helping teams work better together. Um, more specifically, creating the conditions for teams to or groups of people to solve a problem, innovate, ideate, make a decision um, on equal footing. You know, you were talking about just the collaboration designer function, that whole piece of it. And I know that you do this and just kind of started a new venture. Um, I think it's called Flash 15. So let us know what's that about. Yeah, Flash 15 is a new program, training program for groups, teams, organizations that essentially uh, help teams develop better relationships and trust um, through micro 15 minute workshops that they can spread out over a series of, of days and actually like fold into their daily routines and, and make it a habit. But instead of like one large workshop where you go over um, uh, team building or team development or innovation principles, fold it in and make it a habit. That makes sense. Yeah, so now these are these are more virtual events I would anticipate right now, but what is the what is the feedback that, that people are giving you about like what are they getting out of this? Is I'm, I'm sure it's gotta be some really profound, like interesting things that you know people are saying in fifteen minutes, like what can you really pack in? But I'm sure that, you know, if it's being received well, you definitely have to have some positive feedback, I would think. Yeah, I mean, we've got some quotes like Actually, on my on my marketing, one of them is from a design manager. Of, I can't believe how how um, what relationships we built in 15 minutes. You know, things like that. But ultimately, I think. Have you ever been on a dysfunctional team? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. I think almost everybody yeah. has at some point, whether it's a high school project or whatever. Somebody's doing all the work while everybody else is slacking off. I don't know. Right. So. Honestly, like teams, just by spending the 15 minutes to kind of do a creative project together where you break down the barriers, um, I've, we've reported that 
people are happier. They feel more connected to their their teams after a series of sh- of these short works short workshops. Um, we always bake in skills and practices or mindsets that they can um, activate right away. Um, and it slowly helps them develop new ways of seeing and solving problems, right? So it's, and it's really just based on a way that I like to learn. I mean, I think trust and innovation can be such a vague term that I think if we can slowly introduce these concepts, um, it's actually more productive and more effective and uh, the results seem to be trending that way. Yeah, so I'm I'm interested in the, I guess maybe other people would be as well, is 15 minutes seems short, right? And, and And it really is, like you're talking just like how much can you, do people really get in that 15 minutes, right? Um, like I'm sure there's some tangible takeaways, you're probably doing maybe an activity or two. Um, do you go back for multiple sessions? Is, is that the thing or is it just like that one and you, you're you taken away and really good? No, I mean the minimum is 10. So maybe you could do one a week, we could do one a day. Um, but yeah, it's a series of sessions to create that habit of, well, we introduce different concepts, but um, introducing these activities and structures that can help their team work better uh, with this practice. Yeah. How many, um, out of curiosity, like how many, I guess, people or, or, or can do these at the same time? We've gone up to, 40 and we get them in it's intense it, I mean, it's fun like it's really stressful but i mean it's fun we still follow like the standard um like uh workshop design of like having an opening an exploration of like emergent ideas a period and then a closing right and you can fit it into 15 minutes it's very disciplined and like if anything it's a great trojan horse for like teaching facilitation too. So, I mean, um, you can get, I think it's really powerful, um, but you know, you can go over um, concepts like psychological safety or um, different ideation practices, or even like understanding your your customers better and like in these 15 minute sessions, right? And maybe you won't come out with like it, within this 15 minute session, you might, might come up with some like world changing solution, but it'll give you the mindset and skills and the structures that you could use later. There's a lot of like, like I mean, this collaborative work is so different than it's such a different way to work than most people are accustomed to and you have to gradually like expose it to them yeah i could see a lot of people that may might be a little bit more reserved in the thinking and you know uh, maybe potentially cynical and say hey you know how much am i really going to get out of out of this but considering there's multiple um multiple sessions like you're going to get some value there you know 
so where can people kind of find out more about it and kind of, uh, you know, dive into it a little bit further if they wanted to, you know, procure the services? Yeah, I mean, um, right now it's really on my LinkedIn and meetup pages. I have a, I run a meetup community, design thinking meetup community. Um, I haven't built out some like Flash 15 web page or anything yet. Um, if they can contact me, my LinkedIn handle is Christopher Fetter, uh, and we can go from there. But Sweet. We're testing it and with clients, and it's going pretty well. I want to bring apart, just speaking of kind of Chris's ideas here, bring and open up the the topic for discussion for today, which is we're talking and thinking about just society as a whole, and we're saying how can we emphasize and I guess idolize group creation instead of individual creations to promote faster change. So what kind of brought me to initially to this topic was I was thinking right now you see a lot of people that are just, I guess maybe from a generational perspective are just trending in the more individual creation perspective, right? So you have TikTokers, you have YouTube, you have all these kind of people um, that are making really good money and, and, and doing some creative things. However, when you're talking about systems and the way things change, whether it's politics or healthcare or you know any of these larger um, platforms that affects many people as a whole, it it would seem to me like it kind of makes more sense to get more a few more people involved and you know push the idea of hey if we work together you know for a common purpose well, what about this hype house what about hype house hype house tell me about hype house well, i'm no expert um so i didn't know the conversation was going to go this way uh, in terms of like social media and like building your brand like it doesn't have to things like that which is um with a hype house like on tiktok um you know the kids they're a group of kids um in california that were social media influencers on tiktok and then got together and combined their forces to create content together um and i just and like I said, I'm no expert, but like that's kind of an interesting thing where you did see these people building, these kids building out their personal brand and then moved into this mansion together. Um, and like why they decided to do it and if it's gonna continue to work. And I know other variations have come up uh, like that, uh, or variations on the Hype House, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll start with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a good avenue, a good basis to start from because you know, the general perception sometimes can be that large institutions just aren't trustworthy, right? They don't have the actual interest. They don't listen to the people. They don't apply to me. Um, they don't have my best interests at heart, right? We, uh, whether you're talking about um, social organizations and government, like they don't think it all the way through. There's bureaucracy, there's red tape, or larger companies that are all about the money, always about the bottom line. Like, how do we create um, either in smaller groups or just groups that are that are better geared towards making change um, from groups instead of the individual? And 
I mean, my first you, thought. You, Go ahead. Yeah, and I, just to clarify, um, started bringing up systems. So, do you want to go down like it within corporate world? I think we could do a little bit of both, right? I mean, you're just probably got to do it pretty quickly, but part of my belief or my hypothesis is that we're now living in this relationship economy, and like customers demand, like they want what they want when they want it. Mm-hmm. And it's so complex. And at least coming from a system, the only way you can really meet their needs is by working extremely uh, well together. There's, it's just impossible for one person to meet those needs. So it's the, like today's reality demands that um, at least to excel, excel and to win in the future is that today's reality demands that um, teams break down the silos and start communicating a little bit better um, and taking advantage of their skill sets to to um, provide solutions that customers actually want. So, I mean, and the only bring, I bring this up just because like there's this whole like digital transformation movement um, and people are like, what is this? And I actually don't have a good definition from it about it, but like mind finally just says like this in digital transformation essentially what we're talking about is just like how teams are working together um mm-hmm. it's a change in how teams work so it's, it's another teamwork issue um yeah oh i guess I'll, I'll leave it there so i was gonna i was gonna say that these old fat these more like vertical organizations silent vertical organizations i just don't know if they're going to survive in the first place. So it might, and if they do, it'll be interesting to see how they how they do. But I don't, I think they're gonna get blindsided if they haven't already. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a, a, a good portion of it because, well, one, because of the pandemic, they're being forced to, right? And so coming to that conclusion on your own that we need an uptick in our tech as a utility is a little bit different when you're being forced to do it versus when you want to do it um now that said if it has to to go back do you think they're going to i don't know if they're going to go back but i think it feels to me like maybe some companies might do the bare minimum you know just enough to be able to get through this little cycle and and move it through you know um i'd like to think that this would be a really good opportunity for a lot of, you know, large companies to create that change, create that momentum to be able to move things in a positive direction, right? Um, to say, hey, let's let's look at our business or our systems holistically and say, what areas can we remove things from so that way we can create a better team dynamic and create better solutions as a, as a small unit versus having individual people push their own agendas, right? Or having dated systems or dated technology. Like, can we reevaluate the way that we're doing things? I think some will and some have. Um, but I guess that's where I want to kind of open up the conversation because I feel like there's, a, there's some people that will push it individually, right? But then how do we get more people to view the ideas of the team versus the ideas of the individual in a more healthy 
way moving forward. Yeah, I guess I have a couple thoughts. I guess, how are teams getting rewarded? Like, how do you get promoted? Do you get promoted by stabbing someone in the back and taking their idea and, and boasting about it? Or, you know, it, it's a little bit longer term thinking, but organizations or enterprises tend to make a lot more money. When it comes down to it, tend to make a lot more money when they make a little bit more of a de-siloed, um, collaborative approach to something. It, it, you get you get solutions out in the world faster and you can test them faster and uh, you tend to get better. Yeah, so I wanna I wanna touch on before we get to the, the de siloed portion of it because I think that's that's big, but that reward system that you were talking about, let's say we're in large company A, right? Has a hundred thousand people in it. Maybe people work in small groups or functions or departments of twenty five or fifty or whatever the case is. 100 like how would that reward what would that hypothetically what would that reward system look like right if we were gonna focus the um focus for the good of the of the group right so if you maybe have a team of five is it something that you just promote that whole team you give them a bonus based on if their collaboration and the output that they're creating as a team is the most beneficial and impactful um I don't know, I'm interested to hear like your thought process around what that reward system could potentially look like. Is, is, is it individualistic reward, team rewards? No, for me, like I would have that team go around and help train the other teams on how they were doing things so good or so well. I think that's, so it's almost like a change in role. It's like, wow, you guys are high performing. How did you do that? Teach everyone else how to do that. Well, I also have a belief that just like the skill of the future is gonna be people that can facilitate groups of people and help them connect the dots. I mean, that's how you get promoted by developing that skill set of being able to really help people work through really complex problems. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's a huge part because I think what a lot of people might not understand is oftentimes when they have conflicts, whether it's within their department and on their immediate teams, it's usually because somebody's not seeing what somebody else is seeing, right? And having that ability to have those two people see the same thing is probably the most important skill that you can develop is alignment. Um, now, that's not to say that some conflicts aren't warranted. There's good conflict where people have, you know, um, oh, yeah. positive ideas yeah. and a lot can come from that. However, if if the same goal is there, getting aligned can really speed up the process, right? Everybody's in the same fashion. Everybody's in the same vein. You can really start cranking out good, solid output. Um, but at the same time, you don't want everybody to just be like crony wooden soldiers following in line. So where's that balance, right? Is there is it does that mean time boxing the certain situations when you do have that conflict so that way you can move forward at a faster clip um, and be willing to iterate it you know and change and pivot if things don't go as intended? I'm a big fan of time boxing. I got into facilitation and, and um, doing enterprise workshops. I, I started with um, design sprints, and a design sprint is a process of. Uh, well, the traditional di design sprint is a five-day process 
dealt teams explore a um, a problem, like prototype a solution, and then test it with users. Um, and it became wildly popular just because I don't think like that was like the fastest um, teams had had really worked before they they couldn't believe how much they were able to get done and how much they were able to learn within five days together right and not only that but like um having everyone on the same page uh get every, having everyone get on the same page on those five days even if it wasn't the best solution um made it a lot easier to decide what was next. or if it was a good solution that they came up with like actually development and get it out of the world faster um so yeah i believe in the i i still believe in uh, time boxed um co-creation activities to pivot a little bit you were talking about de-siloing the way that people work right um and oftentimes in the larger scheme of things larger company the larger system the more people that you get the more individual things start to split apart. So how do we get people kind of working in the same fashion and have that work not be all siloed out? I mean, first first thing to me is, of course, there's some older models of ways to get people on the same page, like a company newsletter. Right or some type of community board for the team where everybody sees the, the same goals. Um, well, those are great, and of course they've been updated a little bit. So you have things like Basecamp and Slack and different electronic tools that people can use now. Um, but part of me thinks that these are potentially masking like a, a bigger problem where people aren't fundamentally looking at teamwork, right? Like we're all the same team. I have a tendency to think that person X in a higher position came up with the idea, it makes the most sense, let's all run with it. Um, not knowing that person X and person Y in a different department is going in a completely different path and there's no communication there. How do we get that communication, I guess? Because everybody hates meetings, right? Uh, you can run act, uh, Panarchy. What's it? Panarchy, the liberating structure, where essentially you go and, I mean, you would decide, you would pick like team leaders from throughout the company and maybe have them look at the, di and look at the company from different um, viewpoints of like their, their team and their management, their, um, you can go as high up to, um, like uh, macroeconomic mm -hmm. systems. Um, but have, I mean, just, I think even having team leaders work through something like that um, so they know they're stepping on each other's feet or they're, they're kind of rowing in the same direction or, or they can ask like what they need from other teams. Yeah. Um... I think it'd be helpful like if everybody put their cards on the table, right? And almost worked more open 
openly in what they're doing. Oh yeah, I mean, I felt, yeah, I was making that assumption. Yeah, I mean, it's um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's not that easy. I mean, it comes back to like it can be scary, like working open. You have to be more transparent. You have to be willing to make mistakes and look like um, uh, people can get scared. I've heard stories of of people or teams working on things and it's it's not going that well, but they don't even. They won't tell anyone else in the organization about it because they're afraid. And then all of a sudden it's been a year and, and it's like, what happened? Um, they're like, oh yeah, it's just been a disaster. Like once they, 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 they lifted up the hood on their project. Um, so openness to communicate, communicate across the, the organization. Yeah. That takes a level of trust and, and, um, openness to failure that a lot of organizations and enterprises are not okay with. Yeah, I mean, is it, is it as simple as maybe an organization develops a person or a role on each team and their exclusive job is to communicate with the rest of the office, everybody stays on the same page? I mean, but then there's part of me that says, do we pull it back because that's just a big giant game of telephone. Passing, actually passing, instead of getting in the room together and discussing in like a structured format. I'm going to say structured so it's not like otherwise it's just chaos because I think organizations try to do this but it just turns into chaos because they don't know how to structure their their gathering or, or their meeting properly right and it, and people end up hating meetings. Um, so you know I'm going to go back to maybe they just don't know how to properly structure their meetings in a way that Get them to an outcome of like, hey, what is going on? We want to make sure we aren't working on uh, completely random things over here. Let's get on the same page here. Have you been a part of like some huge, uh, you work at a pretty large organization. Have you been a part of like some company-wide alignment initiative? Yeah, um, it was- What's that look like? It was interesting. So I'll take you back to a different company. I, I, at one time I worked for Nordstrom. So really yeah. large retailer um, all across the country. And every morning, I don't know if they still do, but they have a just a, a gathering. And pretty much it's everybody. Anybody from the back of house to the, the, the stock people to um, salespeople on the floor all the way up to that particular store manager and every single morning before shift they get together for about 30 minutes and they run through everything so they run through what yesterday's sales were you know what their goals and targets are um, and I have mixed reviews on it because there's part of me that says but they don't include really corporate they don't include like the regional managers or anything not the regional managers because it's actually physically in person at that time. So it was actually everybody from the store right before the store opens at, let's say, 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, everybody gets jumps on the floor by the escalators at 930 and they run through everything. Um, so it's not a full corporate environment, but each individual store is kind of run like that. Um, I've always been very mixed on them because on one hand, I thought it was a good way for everybody to know what was kind of going on and it made everybody kind of knew what your what other teams were going after, what the sales target were for their particular you know departments or whatever the case is. Um, even the back of houses, you know, they would let the let the teams know, hey, a truck of merchandise, you know, is coming in today or it got delayed, so that way the floor people would know 
you know, they might not get X and X product. So I think that part was good. There was a little bit of drinking the Kool-Aid and things kind of got a little stale sometimes um, because regardless of how you slice it all, it's, it's almost the same information, right? You're just kind of trying to one-up it from yesterday or one-up it from last year. Um, so the dynamics of that meeting were reasonable, but I can't say that it made me as an, as an individual, and this is my personal belief, really want to, um, let's say go all in, but it felt almost like corporately staged at times. You know, and, and does that really make you want to, you know, um, go to war and, and, and make everything, everybody be on the same page? Yeah, to a certain extent, but... You didn't feel empowered. You know, you don't always feel empowered. You, you kind of know what it is that you're going to be doing from day to day. You know, what, like, what, what impactful change am I going to be able to make as an individual while we're all moving towards the same goal? I get it. Um... As an individual, is there anything that I can do that's going to be looked at in a positive, like, oh, he's a superstar kind of type of deal? Um, and in those settings, you don't necessarily want that. You want everybody to kind of be a superstar and, and the whole everybody will, you know, prosper together. Um, but I can see how it can suck the value or, and suck the fun out of it if you're not in that lens. Yeah, well, what do you think about, this might be challenging depending on the company or the entity or organization, is like a round robin week, right? Where instead of maybe shutting down the company for a whole week, um, you have everybody just take that week and go follow other people in the company. Just see what they do, understand, you know, bridge those organizational gaps and knowledge where people can do a day in the life by doing so hopefully it would open up new lines of communication people meet new people people are able to understand one another and then that cross-function collaboration can reap benefits later down the road yeah are, are there ways to even if that's too expensive for organizations are there other ways to kind of replicate or prototype that type of experience just to even improve that communication um, or understanding. I mean, it's a, it's a little easier nowadays with the, these digital tools, but um, I think there could be some ways to, to replicate actually going around. I could imagine that's a, a pretty big, pretty big investment. You know, I, I'm a little hesitant to go into this topic, but like when I was first thinking about how do we advocate for um, collaboration is for in a past life, I did some rural economic development work internationally. And one of the organizations I, I worked with, uh, their challenge, they were tackling extreme rural poverty in places like Nepal, like rural Nepal, Bolivia, Guatemala, rural Mexico. 
um, like $2 a day type communities, uh, $1 a day type communities, and um, they had implemented a process based on, well, it was a three-year process to get like a rural community out of extreme poverty. And, and essentially, essentially the plan was to get the upper poor, like the wealthier poor in the community, to see the lower poor in the community as assets rather than liabilities. Hmm. To then get them to include them in the local economy and even like in the district economy and um, essentially all um, rising tide lifts all boats of, this, uh, of, of, an ish, uh, of a deal. And um, I don't remember exactly how the process went, but it's essentially it started off with, and it worked. It was a very successful program in, in, in Nepal, rural Nepal. I don't know if this can work in urban, but the concept, I think the principles, there might be some overlapping principles, even with like corporate America. But the first year was like just understanding the community. They had facilitators go in, meet everyone in the community. Um, like everyone, hmm. relationship building. And even like writing down like what their values were. Um, and then there was a, there was um, a part of like project-based work. And it wasn't necessarily based on outcomes, but it was just like this concept of like, you build trust by, by working together. You, 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 build, you slowly build trust, right? Mm -hmm. So then we do these like group community, like small projects and kind of build, build trust with the community and building, um, not only like building trust with, you know, the, the NGO, but also within the community and having them work together. Um, and even inviting in other municipalities. Um, and then the, you know, the second year, I think was more on the lines of, uh, doing a larger project together. Um, it was usually run by women. Um, a few more, a few more things, but like at the end of it, Yeah, at the end of this process, the three-year process, it was like, you know, they had got people together, got people to talk, talk about their shared values. And then essentially, I mean, and they were able to innovate and make some, just by talking together and including people, they were able to come up with some new solutions to improve their community. But essentially it was just like, hey, instead of, hey, upper wealthy, villager and family. Like instead of, you know, you said one of your Hindi, Hindu values was compassion, you know? So instead of buying your, uh, instead of, you know, buying your shoes from the store, uh, you know, that was imported from China, how about you have this person make your shoes for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, I'm butchering this. I'm happy to share the link up to like to the actual process. Um, but I'll never forget that scene. 
these other members as assets and not liabilities. That's like the, the, the key, based on values. Um, and then like once you have that like common ground, then you can kind of just, okay, you're gonna grow tomatoes? Okay, I'm gonna grow beans. And like, oh, like um, we don't need to import that. We can like make this, or we can sell that to that community, right? Right, right. But it took a long time of getting on the same page and building that trust. But it worked. I mean, the results have, I mean. It, yeah, and it's definitely not yeah. something that's, that's built overnight, right? It takes a little bit of time um, to be able to foster that and have people see firsthand the benefits of working that way. Yeah, um, and it, it's hard. I mean, you have to stop and, and invest in people for the long run, and it's just counterintuitive <laughs> lots of times. <laughs> like, um, so, so they really have, I mean, and I think at least in the case of the rural economic development, they really just had to paint the picture of how it will make everyone's lives better. Yeah, for sure. Um, how do you do that in the corporate world? I mean, uh, can be, I don't know. I feel like there's elements you can steal from it though. You can get inspiration from that, that um, economic development model. Like I feel like there is, um, but the, like there. when you have investors or when you have um, shareholders, you're supposed to maximize pros profits. I, I, I mean, I think that's, uh, where some of these organizations get in trouble. So the corporate profits is, is where we kind of get into trouble. And I know that's probably a never ending battle of which people are going to go with. But um, to kind of bring it all to, to close, we're going to wrap up and just hit some of the highlights of ways that we can kind of look at group collaboration in a little bit more positive light than individuals um, to kind of increase the speed and, and accuracy for what we're going with. So the first one is look at the reward structure for some of the groups that we have um, existing, whether it's individual teams and whatever, and find ways to reward the group as a whole, whether it could be just outings or talking to the team and figuring out what they need, what they want, um, ways that they're able to um, encourage that productivity and, and share their knowledge as well. Number two is looking at time boxing collaboration because what that will do is when teams are together, they're able to move quickly, increase the speed while still staying as accurate as possible. If things don't work out, you can always iterate, pivot, and, and move on quickly, but at least you're, you're moving the ball forward in some fashion. The third one is some type of cross collaboration. So not necessarily in your individual groups or teams, but finding a way to mix the parties on a regular basis. So that way the communication lines stay open throughout the organization um, and people don't end up working in silos, kind of going down their own path to what they believe is success. And then the last part is looking at the people and the teams and the organizations you work with as assets and not necessarily liabilities. So looking at them from a positive light and saying, how can they help us achieve our goals rather than feeding into potentially negative narratives um, about them or their team or whatever. Did I miss anything there? Nope, those were the, the four we talked about. Yeah, perfect. 
Excellent. Well, I think this was a really good constructive conversation. Um, it was definitely deep um, in the way that we approached it. And so, Chris, I got to say thank you for sharing all of your insights, knowledge, and and time with us. Yeah, in like in my head before this, I was like, oh, I'm gonna make this really fun and like banter and like <laughs> like joke around. <laughs> I don't think we cracked a smile once. We're too um, busy solving everything. I guess that's the, yeah. We're trying to work through our our gears were grinding. Yeah, no problem. Hey, we can always do another one. We'll find something, maybe a a different lighter topic that'll um, that we can get the jokes in. Because I'm sure we would appreciate it. Yeah. No, thank you so much. It was really fun. It's been a really great building relationship with you. Yeah, love it. Awesome. Love it. Well, everybody out there, thank you so much for being a part of this episode and, and listening in. We'll definitely put in all of Chris's information in the show notes. That way you can get a hold of him for Flash 15 or anything else just to, you know, pick his brain whatnot. And make sure to stay tuned after the break for our Idea Prov Insight. Hey, for this idea of Prop Insight, I wanted to share with you a uh, article that I found about how to disarm your internal triggers of distraction. So in these uncertain times, I thought this was a good article to uh, to share and bring about some ways that you could kind of curb those times in which you may feel that you're getting derailed in your focus. It's a quick four-step pro- process. One would be look for the discomfort that precedes the distraction. The second one is write down the triggers so that way you have a little bit of memory of what's causing them. Explore the sensations around the distractions before, during, and after. And then also beware of the liminal moments. So those are the moments in between you you try and take care of activities and duties that can end up uh, spiraling out of control and distracting you even further. So I thought this was a good way to kind of uh, tie in some um, better mental aspects to the way we work. Thank you. Until next time.